Hi, and welcome to episode 30 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria Stolger, and my guest today is Amanda Penrose Hart. Armed with her favourite palette knife that she's used for the last 10 years, she dynamically captures the landscape, both plein air and in her studio. She's depicted the coastal regions of Australia from Mooney Beach in northern New South Wales to Bruny Island in Tasmania to the drier inland landscapes of Fowler's Gap, Hillend and her beloved Safala, just past the Blue Mountains west of Sydney, where she also has a studio. She's also travelled to the historic sites of the Western Front and Anzac Cove and in the case of Gallipoli, they also took along a historian and a filmmaker. This year she was awarded the renowned Gallipoli Art Prize for her impressive work, The Sphinx Perpetual Peace. Her upcoming show at King Street Gallery called High Tide will be her 25th solo show. Her wonderful portraits have also been recognised in the Portuguese Memorial Award and the Salon de Refuse. She has two shows happening around the time this podcast goes online, and I'll mention those at the end of this episode, but you can also go to talkingwithpainters.com for details of those where you'll also see the paintings we talk about on the show. Amanda has a wonderful dry sense of humour, and I really enjoyed meeting her. Where I start is to ask about where you grew up, basically. Brisbane land. (laughs) (laughs) Or Bruce Vegas. Grew up in Brisbane, um, youngest of five children, went to uh, Catholic schools, so my high school was pretty good, it was an all-girls Catholic school, had very good uh, sports facilities, we were on the river and we had kayaking and that sort of thing, and then I think next to that probably their art department was pretty good. Did your siblings, like were they into art as well? All, all my older sisters went to art school as well, but they went part-time. They went to university full-time, and then they went part-time to art school. She could do the art course at night. Um, so they went and did proper courses, as my parents called it, and went to art school <laughs> at night. And I was the only one that wanted to go full-time, much to my father's horror. Um, what did he anyway, think you should do? Uh, anything but go to art school. Why? Because uh, you couldn't get a proper job. It wasn't a proper course. Mm. And uh, But anyway, I went anyway. Uh, I got a taxi to my interview with my portfolio and I had pots and big folders and all that sort of stuff And because mm. uh, they wouldn't drive me to the interview. Oh. That was a long time ago. Wow. Hmm. What was your... Uh, what was it like at uni? Did you go to the University of... To Griffith University, didn't you? Yeah, when I was at art school, I dropped out the first time because I didn't have enough money to stay there. I went back a second time. So I first went when I was 18, and then I went back again when I was about 27. So what did you do in between? I did a four-year dental technician's apprenticeship, um, doing crown and bridge work and ceramics. Really? Made crowns for people and orthodontic appliances and all that sort of stuff yeah in labs which was fantastic because it was really good pay and it was you know supported my art habit so I could buy materials and so then after doing that and working I could afford to go back to art school full-time spent nearly all my time in the school art department you know morning noon and night if there was ever any spare time I'd be 
in the ceramic studio. And even when I was at primary school, we had this really, really good pottery um, big studio at primary school. You know, I don't know how many schools back in those days in Brisbane, of all places, would have a designated kiln and ceramics and this massive old shed yeah and we had this fantastic ceramics teacher and I used to just about live in there I must have been 10 or something you know seven or ten and I remember one day she left her cigarettes in there and my friend Barbara Elder and I smoked her cigarettes and I don't know whether she would have smelt it when she came back in but I'm sure she would have but we used to set the kilns she taught us how to set all the kilns and everything and we were just kids we were really little and I'd go in on a Saturday she ran pottery classes and my parents let me go and I guess they had to pay for it I don't know but that was really really young and then I did do ceramics when I first went to art school as well oh did you Mm. and what you haven't kept it up since then do you Uh, know my mother was always a potter and we had kilns Mm. and things in our backyard when we were kids in Brisbane Mm. and so we were always you know learning about raku firing and you know all that sort of stuff so I think I went off in a different direction just because our house was always you know covered in clay and oh right and so you used to do that at home as well dad could always really draw really well he was a ship's captain. He was never home. So he used to write to us and always draw these funny drawings on the letters. So we used to rip the letters open and, and, and see what he'd drawn for each of us. He was a really good uh, drafts person as well. Yeah. And my mother was also very creative. She did the ceramics, but she also made wedding dresses for a living and wedding cakes. So she, used to, she had very fine motor skills mm. and she would make tiny little roses in icing for the cakes and then all matching roses on the dress handmade in oh, silk wow. and all beaded so that's the sort of house I grew so, up in. yeah so you had mm. that you're surrounded by that sort of thing mm. all the time so when so when did you you're obviously now it's based in Sydney and in Sofala when did you leave Brisbane I won an art prize I won the polo club art prize and it was $10,000, you know, which seemed like an enormous amount of money back then. Yeah. And they kept the painting, which I thought was great. It was, it's in the foyer of the club in Brisbane. So I went to Europe with that money. And part of the agreement was that you had to have an exhibition when you came back. So I went to London and I went to Paris. I went to Frankfurt, Spain. Mm, you know, I went to Portugal. Oh. But, you know, I was aware that, you know, that money wasn't going to last forever. Mm. And I didn't have a dime of my own. So when I ran out of money, I had to come back. And I landed in <laughs> Sydney. And I was on Lufthansa because that was part of the prize, you know. Yeah. And I was on Lufthansa. And when I got back, they didn't fly to Brisbane. So okay. I would have had to fly back to Brisbane. Anyway, I thought, no, I'll just stay in Sydney. So I got a taxi to my sister's house. She lived in Leichhardt. And, yeah, I'd folded up a $50 note in my wallet before I left and that's all I had to get the taxi back to her place. And, yeah, I stayed in Sydney. So that was 93. So Mm. you just decide, just on the spur of the moment, more or less, or...? I didn't have the money to get back to Brisbane. (laughs) And I thought, oh, my stuff's up there. Yeah. I also had a husband up there, so I knew he wouldn't miss me. Right. And... Uh, was that part of the reason you didn't want to go back there? Uh, 
Yeah, probably. I mean, I had a studio and everything set up there and under, you know, we had a Queenslander and there's all that, you know, space underneath them. It was fantastic. Mm. Um, so I knew I'd have to go back eventually and sort out, you know, all my things. Yeah. But yeah, no, I stayed in Sydney. I lived at my sister's for a little while. And then one of my friends from art school in Brisbane, she'd moved down and I moved into her flat in Darlinghurst. So she had a spare room, someone had moved out. She offered it to me and I took it. But I had to go on the dole to pay the rent. It had old laundries up on the roof and I cleared those out and took over those laundries for a studio, which was fantastic except mm. there were no lights in there so I could only <laughs> work up there during the day. But, yeah, it worked out really well. And, of course, the girl that I live with, she'd been at art school so she was okay with the mess and the yeah. you know, stuff everywhere. And yeah. And then I thought, oh, my God, I can't be on the dole any longer because it was just, it was really terrible being on the dole. We mm. had to go and apply for jobs that we really didn't want to get. So we'd go and fulfil those silly things. And, <laughs> you know, I had to paint the show. Yeah. Also, oh, you were doing that sort of while you were yeah, trying so to paint the show. As soon as I got the show done, I thought, God, I've really got to get a job. So I... After being in Sydney, I think I'd been here about eight months or something because I knew all the galleries anyway because when I used to come down from Brisbane, I used to go to Ray Hughes Gallery, King Street Gallery, and there was another one up in Paddington I used to go to all the time. They were like my favourites, and then I would whip back to the airport and fly back to Brisbane. Mm. And I went up to King Street Gallery and I spoke to the fellow that worked there, Robert Hirschman, and I said, oh, do you know if Waddles has got any work? Or, you know, because I knew that they were opening on a Wednesday night or something and I would have painted walls or filled holes in walls, cleaned the floor, anything, you know, I didn't yeah. care, poor drinks. Yeah. And uh, he said, oh, no, I don't, you know, don't think they're looking for anyone. I didn't realise that I think he was already hanging the shows and stuff down there. I didn't, oh, you know. Oh, right. So anyway... <laughs> and he said, but, you know, there's a job going here. He had resigned, you know, like a week before. Oh. And uh, so I was in Dove having breakfast, you know, my $1 piece of toast, and <laughs> $1 egg. So I went in <clears throat> and spoke to the owner, which is Robert. And uh, I said, I am here from Brisbane. Can you imagine how thrilled he was? An idiot from Brisbane looking for a job in Sydney. <laughs> You're talking about Robert Lineker, who's yeah. and, uh, Gallery. The interview consisted of him saying do you know he painted that and he pointed to an Elizabeth Cummings which of course I knew I said yes Elizabeth Cummings and he said who painted that and pointed over there and I said oh Wendy Sharp because a friend of mine used to buy Wendy Sharps in Brisbane oh yeah and then the other one he asked me about was a fellow called Peter Anderson Mm-hmm. And I had just seen a full-page ad in Art in Australia for Peter Anderson King Street Gallery because I think when you don't live in Sydney and it's not just at your back doorstep, you know, you crave it and you look at all the magazines and you've, you know, yeah. you know what's going on. And yeah. I knew more about what was going on then than I do now. And I worked there. <laughs> um, and I said, oh, that's Peter Anderson. And so because I got those three right, if he'd asked me anyone else, I wouldn't have known. And he said, oh, well, you can start next week. So I started working there part-time and it was literally around the corner from my flat in Forbes Street. It was fantastic. And they didn't open until 11, so that suited me fine. Oh, perfect. And you're still there? I'm still there. Yeah. Oh, I've come and gone a few times. Oh, have you? Right. They've been very flexible with me going and doing painting trips or going and doing these project shows like the Western Front and Gallipoli. Mm. And So they have been great. Yeah, well, let's talk about those trips because you've been on, on quite a few trips, painting trips with, yeah. with, with um, it's groups of us. It's not deliberate. Isn't it? <laughs> Why? What do you mean? 
Well, people say, oh, how do you get on those trips? And it's, it's <laughs> Actually, I do want to know how you get on those trips. <laughs> how do you get on those trips? And people have the tone in their voice and it's like, well, actually, we all just get along. Yeah. So, you know, it's just that, you know, you invite people that are like-minded, work really hard. No one's particularly competitive. You know, we all just do our own thing. Everyone works really hard and we all get on at night. And you don't see each other all day long. Mm. You get dropped off somewhere and the bus comes back for you four hours later. You have a shower, have a rest and meet everyone at dinner. Everyone has a big laugh and we're normally always in bed by nine o'clock because we're so knackered from painting. Oh, really? Yeah, and you work seven days a week, like on that Glippley trip. The bus was down outside the hotel every morning at nine o'clock and if you went on the bus, they left without you. And you would work until, like, the sun went down, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Sometimes we did it late, you know, painting sort of late at night. Well, not late at night, but sort of a very long day. And then the filmmaker that we had uh, that came with us on the trip, Bruce Inglis, he was fantastic. And he'd want to get those late night shots, you know, Mm. on the film with the sun going down and, you know, all the artists standing in a row on the hill with their hats on and, you know, silhouetted against the sky. Yeah. So a couple of those nights were late-ish, you know, for the bus driver. Yeah. So you get something to eat and we would just collapse because it's people go, how can painting be exhausting? But it really is hard work. Well, you're you're more or less, you're standing up most of the time, aren't you? You're standing up all day. You've got a table, haven't you, usually? I normally take a table. We bought tables in Istanbul, little folded things, and then like some crummy sort of folded chair because you can't sit on a rock all day mm. painting. You have to be comfortable. You can't get your work done. Mm. Um, and then so you, you, you paint do... flat, don't you? Flat on yeah, the table. Yeah, you don't I'm... have an easel. No, no, no. That's yeah. too pretentious for me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't use an easel. Otherwise, it attracts too many people and people come up to you and ask you what you're doing. And it's like... <laughs> Mm. painting <laughs> anyway yeah. so um you know paint flat <clears throat> paint on your lap paint wherever you you know I use those boards so it's good they don't bend or wobble or you know blow around in the wind yeah um canvas is a little bit tricky when you're painting outside and then when you what because a, they, they're lighter and they can yeah, blow they're lighter away. they can float around and then when you're transporting them back they can get damaged if you don't you know wrap them properly and separate them all to mm. then get them back to your accommodation or back to Australia. Mm. So I, I, I like the boards because they don't flex. Yeah, right. Mm. So I think you were saying you went twice. Did you go twice to Gilboa? Yeah, the first trip was 2013 and it was sort of like a bit of an organised tour with one of those tour companies. Mm. So we treated that as a bit of a recce. Mm. It was nothing like I was expecting. It's a... It's a peninsula. It's very, very big. It's probably not dissimilar to Palm Beach, Wild Beach, Avalon, Newport, and exactly the area where I live. The northern beaches of Sydney. The northern beaches. And it's huge. I didn't realise it was so big. Mm. We were there. The second trip, we were there for two weeks. We painted every day for two weeks. So it was really, really good. We got a serious history lesson because we also took with us Brad Manera from the War Memorial in Sydney. And so we had hands-on all day and all night if we wanted. Um, The historian who knows that history, like the back of his hand. So you must know quite a bit about how what happened in that. I do now. Period. Yeah. I didn't then. Anzac Day was always brushed over. I think when I was at school, but Mm. that's no excuse. I didn't realise that they lived in the hills for nine months with no water, and they set up desalination. Uh, They they had to, you know 
Uh, sure, it didn't have a head desalination well, sort of equipment. No water. It must have been horrendous. And then we hired a boat and came in from, you know, quite a long distance out. And then the guy that owned the boat, he drove it up and he said, oh, look, the hills are really quite, look quite mild and civilised. And then he said, you watch when we get closer. And we were all on the boat. It was just a day trip. And as we came in closer and closer, that Sphinx and those hills just directly above Anzac Cove unbelievably steep well the, well you just mentioned the sphinx and um that was a, one of the landmarks that you painted and which you painted uh for the gallipoli art prize this year which you won congratulations mm-hmm. it's a wonderful painting i saw a video of you talking about it and actually you were working on it in the video and um you were saying it took you a year to to paint that would you leave it for long periods and come back to it how did you work on it uh, I call them drying days and I come back in here and work for a couple of days. They're my drying days. So I'll leave a painting, you know, for a couple of weeks. I've always got about 10 on the go at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, but I particularly struggled with that painting. Uh, I couldn't get the um, the scale, you know, from the beach up to that sphinx. I needed it to be looking like it was really towering you know over Mm. you you know that perspective looking up and I kept working on it I thought it was finished I thought it was all right it went in the it went in the shows you know that were here in Sydney and then when those shows were over I took it home and I actually worked on it at home because it was too big to move back up to my studio it was 240 wide Mm. by I think about 170 high or something and it actually only just fits in my ute I've got a big tray on my ute and I just left it actually at Bayview where I live in Sydney and I worked on it there because I've got a bit of a studio there right and I changed all the perspective on the hills and I felt that the water looked you know not right I'd done a small study when I was over there and I was quite happy with that that's on the cover of the DVD thing oh yeah I said you earlier uh, but you know working plein air and then trying to change that into a big painting when you get home six months later it's it's nearly impossible for me I'm sure other artists can do it but I, I can't I just lose uh, I just can't do it I find it really hard it was interesting composition, actually, because the Sphinx is, like, almost right at the top of the um, canvas. Mm. Um, and so you've got um, uh, quite a large part of it. About half of it almost is, like, veg- the vegetation, which I would find quite difficult to make it look interesting. Mm. Um, and within all that vegetation, there are these hills with, you know, some pine trees off to the right. And every one of those hills and knobs and crevices has got a name and something important happened there. And I would never have known that unless we had Brad Manera with us on mm. the trip. And so you weren't just painting a bunch of green bush. And that, and then I realised, oh, my God, you know, I'm actually going to have to move this and make this bigger and this is actually where a whole lot of people, a, a battle took place. And so within all that green bush, I had to then start you know, making it a bit more anatomical because if you look at any of those maps of Anzac Cove, all those areas, people lived in there. They lived in there for nine months, which I also didn't realise until we went back on the second trip. Mm. And we had Brad Minera telling us all the history of what happened. 
And so, yeah, I did do a lot of work on that picture again. Anyway, it won the prize yeah. and it's now in their club, yeah. which is great. That was fantastic and it was very nice to, to win. Um, but more importantly, all those people that are members of those, that club, they know all about Gallipoli. They've all been 10, 15 times. They know that place like the back of their hand. So it's not as if you could just whack out some casual bush. Yeah. I, and I'm glad I went back into the painting and tried to make it a little bit more anatomically correct uh, uh, because it's now part of their permanent collection. Yeah. The other thing that I found of interest in that video, which, which actually is called Your Friend the Enemy, which was the name of the... Um, the shows, project. the project mm. that, that emanated from that, was that you were talk, You were saying that with a large painting like that, a painter should be able to bring in more than one time of day and that, that's how the difference between a photograph and a painting. Can you tell me like, a bit more about that, like how you would, you would manage that in a painting? It's from painting outside all the time and you might not be able to get it in one painting but you do get a lot of weather and a lot of different light and a lot of different weather changes after being outside all day long. And I think when you paint inside a studio and you think, oh yeah, I'm gonna paint that you know, off this study and it was you know, a fabulous blue sky and it was a beautiful day. So you might do that in a studio with only one window or something. Um, but when you're outside all day long, you start to think about how different it is in the afternoon to when you started there in the morning. Yeah. You think, oh my God, now it's raining or oh, it's really windy. And so you start putting all these different things in the painting. <laughs> at that one there with that storm that's yeah. blowing up. And that was really, that's my driveway at Safala. And that's the view out of my shed with the roller door up. Oh, so you're talking about the painting at the far the end. end yeah, so I yeah. started that, let's say, in the morning and I go out there at about nine o'clock or something and yeah. by the time you've worked on that all day long there was this massive storm had come up and so I thought oh that looks better so I whacked in the storm the <laughs> sky was originally blue and it was lovely and then then it got really windy so then you change all the trees and you, know, you just so keep changing the yeah. weather patterns in the time of day and you just try and build up a painting and you try and make it look a bit more interesting than a photo. And I mean a photo that hasn't been photoshopped. Yeah, sure. So, you, so you're not going to feel as though, oh my God, that's now all the shadows have changed and all the colours of the trees oh, have no, changed. No, it's so fantastic. You, you just yeah. keep adding to them. You just keep changing it. And you go, oh God, all the, t all the lights gone out of the hills. So you make them all dark. And then the next day you go out there again, you go, oh no, no, all the lights back on there. So you put <laughs> the light back in. And, <laughs> and after like a couple of months, you think, oh yeah, you know, that'll do. And um, with um, with the with your greens, that's it. now another thing I heard you say somewhere was that you don't have green on your palette. But I presume that's not always true. Do you do you mix most of your greens? Or I mix do you... most of my greens. I love green as a colour, but it's quite hard to use uh, in a painting. I was trying to control it, although it's a colour that I really love. And when I just went to France. In April, I did a residency over there for two weeks, then went to the Western Front for another two weeks. I was away four and a bit weeks. Oh, my gosh, the whole place is green. So we were all laughing about it, the whole group going, oh, my God, look at all this green. What are we going to do? So, yes, you get very good at mixing greens. Right. Look, I've bought a few greens, you know, the tube lasts forever because you know, I never really liked them. Uh, but then it became a project for me, a new project to see how many greens I could actually put in the one painting. 
And I've done some very big ones from the Western Front that I started. They're three metres long. Yeah. And I've deliberately, you know, tried to put in a lot of different greens. So I've broken oh. up all the farmland. It yeah. looks like carpet samples. I've never painted farmland before. Um, and so it's actually been quite enjoyable. Yeah, I, I've oh, loved it. The whole yeah. place was so green. It was insane. I bought paint while I was in Dijon because there was an art shop there. I used all materials I'd never seen before. They don't have anything like we have here. I couldn't get Windsor and Newton there. Mm. Uh, so I used a whole, uh, all different uh, mediums and different paints. Anyway, but that's good too. Yeah. It's really good for you. It's Trying You just get lazy different. and stale. You just you go and use all the stuff that you normally use. You, know, you want the pictures from France and New Zealand to look a bit different to the ones from Safala. Mm. And talking about Safala, how did you end up there? It was the only place I knew you could stay overnight in a pub for $20 a night. <laughs> so I used to drive out in my, in, my, in my old car, my BMW, and it was really old. I don't want to sound like I was posh and had a BMW. It was really, really old. And all the like, BMW badges either fell off or they got stolen, I'm not sure, outside the pub. Remember when people used to steal badges off cars? Oh, yeah. You know, 15 yeah. or 20 years ago or something. Yeah. Cause, and I don't know what they did with them. But anyway, after going out there, <laughs> they all fell off my wheels or, you know, dug off the bonnet of my car. And you could stay at the Safala pub for $20 a night. And that included breakfast. Wow. Whereas if you stayed at the Hill End pub, it was more like $40 a night, which I didn't have. So I could stay at the Safala pub for a whole week for $100 and do five days of painting and I ended up getting quite friendly with the people that owned the pub and the lady that ran the kitchen. And often I would make her breakfast because she was too hungover to make my <laughs> breakfast. And then they eventually let me keep my food in their cool room. And I had um, my own room. I had a veranda up there that I could paint on um, with a roof. So if it was really hot, I had shade. And, you know, if it was freezing cold, I wasn't in the snow. And oh, so you, it was fantastic. So you, you were attracted to the landscape there? Oh, I loved it, yeah. Um. I first went out there, wind back a bit. When I got the job at King Street, and it was Hill End this and Hill End that, and Wendy Sharp had been to Hill End, and everyone else had been to Hill End, and what about Hill End? Oh, haven't you been to Hill End? Because I was from <laughs> Brisbane. Yeah. And I thought, God, I'm really going to have to get off my butt and go to this place that's so beautiful. Yeah. Everyone talked about it. Then yeah. there were all those books and stuff on it. Yeah. So yeah. I did go out and had a look and, and I thought it was very nice. So I thought it was very flat. And on the way you go through Safala and that's really, really hilly. It's gold country. Yeah. Very hilly, very beautiful. It was winter. Uh, so it was unbelievably crisp and very beautiful. I couldn't afford to stay at the pub, so I thought, oh, you know what, I'll go back to Safala and I'll stay there. And then, of course, you start to learn about the history of the area, all the Chinese people that were there. There were, you know, 130 pubs there at one stage. It's a gold and mining town, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. There were a lot of Aboriginals in the area that were, of course, moved out by the people that were fossicking. Um, mm. Yeah, it's an interesting area. Um, well, there's, well, we're sitting here looking at these this beautiful body of work at the moment on the on the walls and actually it's a good time for me to raise uh to talk about your painting technique because it's clear that this is mainly um palette knife work isn't it mm -hmm. is that is that mainly how you paint 
uh, yeah, I've, I've had the same palette knife for about 10 years. If I lose it, I'll die. Um, <laughs> well, you've got one palette knife that you use. Yeah, I have, bought, I have invested in a few larger ones now that I'm painting these ones that are slightly bigger. Mm. But when you paint plein air, everything seems to be about that, you know, medium size, 38 by 51 sort of size, because yeah. they're easy to transport to wherever you're going to go painting, and they're easy to transport back. But yeah, I, I started painting with a palette knife because, you know, I, I literally couldn't afford brushes. Oh, so that's the main reason? Mm. Oh, that's and so if I go and do a workshop or something and there's people there and they haven't got a dime, they want to be a painter, I tell them to go and buy the boards. You know, boards are much cheaper than canvases. I tell them to go and buy three paint palette knives. You can buy a palette knife from Bunnings or... Uh, office works you don't have to buy a beautiful french palette knife you know that you might lose yeah. on a trip or yeah so try and teach people how you can get by and keep painting without a whole lot of materials and without a whole lot of money and i have had the same palette knife for about 10 years i really like it it's actually i think it might be starting to <laughs> be a bit worn out on the end but anyway <laughs> it's a really nice way you don't need any terps to clean up you yes. just wipe it off yeah that's ready true. to go again I just drop it down into a cardboard box that I keep in my car and <clears throat> and all the bits of wood that I paint on. I've got a furniture, lovely furniture man up near where I live and he saves me all the small board offcuts. You can uh -huh. also buy all these lovely cedar and, you know, uh, Oregon offcuts from, oh, I think, you know, hardwares and places like that, but they never warp. Actually, another thing I want to ask you about um, working plein air is, um, say you've got a wet oil painting and it's windy and you get dirt or sand on it or something, what would you do in that situation? If you're happy with the picture, I would just leave it, take it home as it is into your studio or wherever you're going back for the night, put it in the back of the car, and then when that's dry you know, four weeks later, I do my best to try and clean the surface, you know, with mm -hmm. a bit of, um, you know, liquid or something like that and actually rub it really hard to get, see if you can get any of that out. I've got flies and moths and bugs and things that love the smell of the oil paint and the liquid up at my studio where I paint in Cephala, which is just all millions and millions of bugs. So I have to close up at night, I've got a big roller door and a small roller door. I close it all up and close up all the windows and everything. And I stuff all the doors with bubble wrap so that no bugs come in for the light because they, they love the light, obviously, but they love the smell of the paintings and they all just land in it. So you go back in in the morning and there's 8 million flies <laughs> and bugs all in the blue sky or white clouds and stuff, which is really annoying. So you can pick them out if it's still soft Mm. Or if you don't want to touch, you know, if they've all landed in, you know, some you know, hill that you've just finished and you quite like and you don't want to start scraping it all off and picking at it, I'll leave it till it's dry and then try and get them out then. If you can't get them out or there's half a fly still embedded in the paint, um, I will just give it a light sand and just try and touch up or patch that area like you would make a repair on a yes. painting. Yeah, but I try never to send paintings to a gallery that have got dead bugs all in it because <laughs> they will discolour, I'm sure. They're not archival. They're not archival. Now, the other thing I want to talk to you about is your portraiture because oh, 
you've, <laughs> you've been a finalist in the portraits, <coughs> I think, four times, and they're beautiful portraits. So I saw a couple of um, Roddy Ma, the late uh, oh, yeah. uh, judge, and they, they were great. They were great paintings. What oh, would great. cause you to, to do a portrait? Uh, I would love to be a portrait painter. I love doing portraits. It's a really, really, really nice break from doing uh, landscapes. I find it really refreshing. I just wish I was better at it. Uh, I haven't painted that many portraits. I did one of Elizabeth Cummings when we were all on that first Gallipoli trip and she doesn't really like having a portrait painted but she was trapped on a small boat with us all so she <laughs> couldn't really get away. Uh, Roddy Marr and I was sort of got quite friendly with all the portraits I did of him so I suppose I painted him for about 10 years. Every year mm. I would enter the Archibald. I didn't realise that, you know, I was never getting hung in the Archibald with Rod. Everybody that painted Roddy never got hung, you know. I don't know why, but we'd all end up in the salon, so we were happy with that. And um, yeah. I think um, but the, the it's funny you say that one. about you, yourself about not being a good portraitist because I think they're fantastic paintings. Oh, thank but you. what don't, you must get feedback from people that are I'm positive not about them. I'm not known as a portrait painter. I just like doing them for my own entertainment, the same as these, same as landscapes. There's nothing too different between portraiture and landscape. Mm. Well, I th- the same I, well, I, uh, yeah. Well, it's funny because I've seen. I mean, I can look at your technique here with the landscapes, and I can see that in the portraits. I mean, yeah, but it's but, still hills and crevices and yeah. perspective, and there's still a narrative. There's still, you know, I just really liked Roddy, and I thought he had a very, very interesting face. He was a lovely, lovely person. He was always good at sitting as well because he would read. Um, mm. So he was a good subject. And I've got a lot of them up at my studio just stored, uh, the ones that, you know, didn't end up placed somewhere. I did give a lot away after he passed away. A couple went to auction and I know they were purchased. Uh, There's Mm. one at the Law Society, so that's nice to have it there. Yeah. Um, And do you you enjoy it? I love it. I I would love to just... I'd love to just be able to churn out portraits and you know get paid to do it right, <laughs> but I'm, so, not, yeah, so I'm not a quick a person I, I really do labor over them to try and get a likeness I don't trace them I don't fill in you know lines that have been projected or anything mm-hmm. I literally you know measure up someone's eyes and nose and maybe you get a nice sort of bit loose you know yeah. looser sort of um, uh, you know character do you do commissions? Uh, I've done commissions, yeah, and that's it's never very successful for me. Um, <clears throat> I did one once of Balmoral Beach, and I thought it was the best picture I'd ever done. And um, the people said, oh, my God, it's Balmoral Beach, but it's so overcast. And, you know, they didn't like it because it was overcast or it was looking south or something and they were expecting it to be looking north at Belmoral Beach because their house was looking north but they didn't tell me that mm. and I'd gone there every day I'd got parking fines you know what Belmoral's like oh, to park yeah. at in my old BMW to do this little tiny picture and I'd done the net you know like it really a lot of foreshortening I was like right in line with the net and yeah I had it looking north and they wanted it looking south <laughs> and they didn't want it to be overcast and, and 
anyway, it doesn't matter. Someone else bought the painting anyway. And it was a very small painting. And just after that, I was sort of shocked because I was so inexperienced at doing commissions that I didn't ask them what time of day they wanted. I didn't ask them if they wanted it windy. I didn't ask if their house painted face south or north or, you know, I'm such an idiot. Well, I I wouldn't have thought of that. I just went and painted Balmoral and I thought I did a really good job of Balmoral and they hated it. And you could see it all over their face when they saw it. And I thought, you know what, that's a really good learning experience for me because you either got to sort it like right down to the nitty-gritty and then they might not like it either. And um, I wouldn't have thought of that with a landscape. I wouldn't have thought you'd have to really sort it out. Mm. And I mean, mm. I would have thought, yes, you've got to specify size, mm. but I wouldn't yeah, have thought... Yeah, size is linked to price. So you sort that out and they would just ask me for a, a picture of Balmoral. And, you know, because I was painting all around the Sydney coastline anyway, I've been doing it for years. I thought, oh, Balmoral, that's nice, you know. And it really is very beautiful. But when it's a commission and you're going there especially every day and mm. then they don't like the picture, well, you know, yeah, what can you do? Yeah. Have you ever done a portrait commission? I have. I took a portrait commission once and then I never completed it and so I didn't do it. Yeah, yeah. It was of someone's kids and I, I couldn't Oh, kids do it. are impossible. Kids are very difficult for me. Yeah. Wouldn't be for maybe somebody else. But I... Uh, I started and I just said to the fellow that asked me to do it that, you know, I wouldn't be able to do his kids justice, so I, I never completed mm. it. Mm. Yeah, not kids. I, I can't paint kids. Well, I think kids and young women, I think, are really hard too. Oh, yeah, oh. yeah, maybe, I don't know. I just like, you know, wrinkly old people that mm. look fabulous who have got fabulous character-filled faces like yeah. Roddy Marr and... You know, Elizabeth Cummings has got a beautiful face and, you know, the portraits I'm working on now. Another thing that I noticed on Instagram, because I was looking at your Instagram page and I saw these beautiful drawings of dogs when you were at Mooney Beach. Yeah. They were just fantastic. They're these dogs that looked like they'd just come out of the water and were shaking the water off. Uh, yeah, so we were getting attacked by dogs when we were there. We go to the beach every day and it's all full of dogs. They mustn't have all those rules and stuff up there <laughs> and near Coffs Harbour about dogs on beaches. And it was very funny. The dogs had to go for a swim and then run up to us because we had the only tree there with some shade at... Mooney Beach, which is just near Coffs Harbour, and this guy said, I, "He said, oh, sorry, you know, because the dog, dog had come up and shaken all over us. We were painting, yeah. And so there was Luke Skibaris, Alan Jones, and myself, and this bloody dog covered all our stuff in sand. And I said, oh, that's all right, doesn't matter, you know. And a couple of the others were a bit annoyed. And then he said, because I said it was okay, he said, oh, do you mind looking after my dog while I go for a surf? And I went. I know, sure. And I'm thinking, what? (laughs) He goes for a surf and leaves us with this dog that then cried and cried because the owner had gone surfing. It was wailing and and the others were very annoyed at me for offering to look after the dog. Anyway, it was a very cute dog. And would you start like one of these big paintings off with sort of a charcoal drawing or something at the beginning? No. No. You just go in straight with the paint? Yeah, Um, a brush with a bit of stain, you know, a bit of liquid and a bit of, you know, black or khaki green, something like that. Bit of working out, not certainly not a drawing. Very loose and try and start, you know, just slushing it around. 
Right. It's always much easier to start a painting than finish one. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to resolve Let the me problem. say that. <laughs> and you go, oh, my God, I've made such a great start. Look what I've done. Oh, aren't I fantastic? And then a uh, year goes by and you're like, oh, my God, I still haven't finished that one. <laughs> and then you go out and you gingerly open the door and you think, oh, <laughs> and that was that Gallipoli painting that I just couldn't finish, that Sphinx one. It just, it just drove me crazy. Oh, that's mm. interesting. Mm. That you persisted with it and didn't give up. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was not going to let it beat me. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I didn't care if I had to just go over the whole lot again with a, you know, hundredth coat of paint. But, you know, if you put too much paint on them, sometimes the linen starts to bag. It can't manage the weight. Yeah. And I actually think I may have been on my limit with that one. <laughs> <laughs> we could hardly lift it up the stairs at the Gallipoli Club. Oh, and really? then they rang me to say that I'd won. I thought, oh, my God, she's telling me to come and pick it up because it's too heavy. They won't hang it. And she was ringing me to say that I'd won, which is very nice. And the first thing I thought of was, oh, my God, fantastic. I won't have to pick that up because it's so <laughs> heavy. <laughs> thought that a painting could get really heavy from like li- lots of layers of paint. I didn't realise that. It was really so There must be a lot of layers on that. It was really heavy. But that actually makes it, gives it that texture as well. It gives it that sort of extra, oh, yeah. you know. Hmm. And it wasn't depth. framed or anything, so I couldn't even blame a heavy peak <laughs> frame or anything on it. It was just all the mistakes I'd made. And so it got thicker and thicker and thicker. <laughs> I had a, someone in here at King Street paid off a $500 picture of mine for like over a year, or it might have been two years, I can't remember, because uh, they really, really wanted it and they had no money. And that sale to me was, you know, better than any of the other bigger ones or people that buy four or five at a time or, you know, yeah. they're fantastic too, don't get me wrong. But this poor person, I think they were a student, I'm not sure, I didn't ask. And they took that long to pay off this little tiny picture because they really, really, really wanted it. You know, that's really fantastic as yeah. a painter that someone would find the money to buy one of your paintings because it meant something to them. Yeah. You know, it was really, really nice. Mm-hmm. And I always think about that. It doesn't matter how many you sell or how big they get or how expensive they get. I always remember that. And that was, you know, quite a long time ago now. Yeah, right. Mm. Um, and when you've had a show... When would you start again, painting again? Would you have? Would it be a bit of a, a break after that? Yeah, maybe a month, tops. Right. I get very anxious if I'm not working. If I have to have a holiday somewhere, you know, for two weeks or something, I end up really foul and <laughs> ranted because I'm <clears throat> too far away from the crap that I'd rather be doing. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I agreed to come away for three weeks, you know. <laughs> and... <laughs> But can't you just draw or something while you're oh, yeah, there? Yeah, God, I never go anywhere without that right. stuff. Oh, but, but it's I mean, not, you know, not being in the studio. When you're away yeah. somewhere, um, we I'm a bit like that just too. went to New York yeah. at Christmas and New Year for something. I don't know what we were there for. Something, a holiday, I think it was. By the third week, I just could not wait to get home and start my work because, you know, I knew I had these two shows later in the year. Mm. And I'm thinking, what was I thinking, agreeing to being away for so long? And I just felt... I felt at yeah. sea. I so, felt at so, sea being yeah. away for so long. I just couldn't wait to get back and start doing 
you know, these pictures. Yeah, yeah. And even if they turned out all lousy, I'm dead happy when I'm in there working. Yeah. You know. Well, Amanda, thanks so much for talking with me today and for showing me these brilliant works. Um, we're in the stock room at King Street Gallery at the moment. It's just going to be a magnificent show, I know it. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you so much for asking me all these questions. <laughs> it's a long time since I've thought about art school days in Brisbane, but it's been good. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that one. Amanda has two shows happening around now. Her show, New Paintings, at the Red Dot Fine Art Gallery in Singapore opened last week. And there's a great show coming up at King Street Gallery on William called High Tide, which is opening on the 12th of September 2017. All those details are on the website, talkingwithpainters.com. I'll also be posting a short video after the opening, so I'll let you know on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter as soon as that makes it onto the YouTube channel. Thanks for listening and hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking With Painters. But yeah, this is a proper job and you don't get Sundays off and you don't get superannuation. You don't yeah, get annual right. leave. You don't get long service leave. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just a job. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. And it's, it's a terrible job because well. you've got to do double the hours and often you don't get paid. <laughs> but, but don't you love it? Oh, yeah, I wouldn't do it unless I did. <laughs> and you do it for yourself. Yeah. And if, if you do it, if somebody buys a painting, you know, that is absolutely fantastic. <laughs>